What's up, Zoomers? I keep it real. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to the Very Lutheran Project's VLL Weekly Broadcast. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different, something we actually got our start in the VLP SoundCloud doing it, uh, reading silly things online and talking about it. Here is from my favorite garbage magazine in the entire world, Christianity Today. Uh, an embarrassment of a rag. At one point it was okay having a lineage from Mr. Billy Graham, but today is not the case. Today, Christianity Today, is, well, one of the worst publications I've ever seen in my entire life. They are filthy, muckraking yellow journalists, and I've reported on that before in the VLP. They're shameless drama hounds that love coming at Christianity from an extremely worldly point of view. But today, they got a take. And they got a take that reminds me that I got to keep it real with those Gen Z guys. That's why I'm smoking a cigarette, you see. That's why I'm annoying everybody. Because they want leaders to keep it real. That's what the article says. Gen Z Christians want leaders to keep it real. That means dropping the facade and admitting their own struggles. Now, this is an article by one named Liz Likens, like the fungus, I guess, but with a K. And I have no clue who this individual is, what their qualifications are to speak about Gen Z Christians and Christian leaders. But, you know, just because somebody isn't necessarily educated in demographics or polling doesn't mean that I shouldn't listen to whatever take they have. Maybe it's clever. Let's go ahead and read it. Let's hear from Liz. As Generation Z teens grow up, many are moving further away from Christian faith and challenging church leaders to adapt to new expectations from the youngest in their flocks. Okay, first off, whose fault is that, that many are moving further away from Christian faith? If we're talking about people leaving the churches, I'd say the churches bear quite a burden on not properly catechizing and checking in on these people. Uh, parents also bear a great deal of guilt for this because they did not keep their children in the faith nor raise them in the faith. Lazy parents handed their kids a tablet and shuffled them away to the corner where they could tap a screen and be quiet. Hmm. I wonder about that. Now, question though, do these Gen Z teens who are leaving the Christian faith, do they get to just go to the church and say, excuse me, you have to change for me if you want me to go to your church? Okay? My response to that is go pound sand. I'm not going to change my theology for you. I'm not going to change my preaching for you. I might talk about topics that are important to you, but that is within the entirety of everybody that hears my voice, that hears the word of God. Everybody's topics get brought up. Join the crowd. But we continue. Last month, Barna Research reported that young adults aged 18 to 22 are half as likely to identify as Christian and follow Jesus than teenagers aged 13 to 17. 
A slight majority of today's young adults, 52%, don't identify as Christians. The young people of Gen Z are diverse, educated, and social media savvy. When it comes to faith, they're open to Jesus and his teachings, but skeptical about institutions and leaders putting on a facade. Okay, so wait, wait, wait. Your description of Gen Z is diverse, educated, and social media savvy. In what way are they diverse? What do you mean by that? Well, there's a hyperlink here that says... Early benchmarks show post-millennials on track to be the most diverse, best educated generation yet. That's from Pew Research. But I have a question for you. How are these people diverse? What, you mean skin color? Do you mean opinions? Because I guarantee you a whole lot of them are not very diverse when it comes to opinions because Gen Z... Well, they're growing up with a whole lot of cancel culture that tells them you better march in lockstep on the path to hell with everybody else or else we are going to ruin you. Thanks. Yeah, real diverse there. Oh, what do you mean they're diverse? I'd, I'd like to understand that. But let's see, educated. Educated in what? You mean they've absorbed more social engineering from official institutions in this country? Yeah, maybe, but I guarantee you there were articles 10, 12, 13, 15 years ago that were saying the same thing about us lazy, entitled millennials. Oh, we're the most educated. Oh, and social media savvy. Mm. What does social media savvy mean? Zoomers, please chime in, email me. What does social media savvy mean? Does it mean you know the rules? Does it mean you know how to manipulate search algorithm results? What's that mean? Do you, do you mean when you say you're social media savvy that you know how to pretend to have friends online? I mean, that just doesn't really reflect well on an entire generation, does it? Oh, you're really good with Twitter. Okay. When you hear studies like this in Pew Research articles saying this about a generation or another, Chances are you're swallowing a load of crock. Here is from BrightHorizons.com, published January 1st, 2021. Millennials are the most educated generation ever. This trend is likely due to higher income returns from a college education, as well as many young people choosing to wait out the recession and lack of jobs by staying in or returning to school. So, all right, they're saying the same thing about my generation that they were saying about the Gen Z people. I bet you anything there are articles that say the same exact thing about Gen X and the boomers way back in the day. There were articles saying that. It is a meaningless statement to say it's the most diverse, educated, and social media savvy generation ever. But, okay, okay, let's go ahead and just accept Liz Likens' point here. What's the so what? Well, she says they're skeptical about institutions and leaders putting on a facade. Kendall Johnson, 20, became a believer in college and established her faith through campus ministry? But it was the real and raw women of her local church in Raleigh, North Carolina that helped her grow spiritually. Though older than she, they reached out to talk and share struggles from their own lives. 
your openness, Johnson said, allows me to see how much faith and trust they have in Jesus. It showed me Christianity is relational with one another and relational with God. Young Christians like Johnson expect the same kind of transparency, honesty, and authenticity from their leaders. Where are the churches that are not transparent, honest, and authentic? I'm sure they exist. They always have. There has always been troubled churches where nothing but the law is preached, I guess, but mostly in terms of obedience, not in terms of who's damned, who's going to hell. It's not properly preaching the law. Instead, it's like 10 ways to improve your marriage, 15 financial tips from the Bible, etc. and so forth. And a lot of these churches run themselves like businesses. But all these years, how many Lutheran churches were up there, confessional Lutheran churches, where the pastor got up on Sunday and said, okay, guys, here's three ways the book of Philemon is like an episode of Sons of Anarchy. Here's five ways you can improve your life reading the book of Jude. Come on now. No, in a whole lot of Lutheran churches, they keep it real, quote-unquote, by talking about the Bible, which is, you know, real. The Bible, everything in it, 100% real. Preaching the Word of God. Even fundy Baptist churches out there try their best to keep it real, so to speak. And even old Presbyterian conservative churches keep it real. Because when you want to keep it real and be honest, you say what the Bible says. Well, maybe they're talking about personal issues, personal problems. Have you ever heard of prayer requests where people honestly talk about and authentically discuss their needs and their struggles? Have you heard of confession and absolution where people are transparent, honest, and authentic with their pastor? No? Well, have you been going to church at all then? Or are we just talking about the evangelical crowd that doesn't do any of that stuff? For that matter, when they talk about, say, finances, and I guarantee you when it comes to transparency, what they mean is, what is the church doing with its money? 99% of the churches in America, even the liberal ones, if you actually say, hey, I want to volunteer for the council or something like that, you get to take a look at the finances. And a whole lot of the annual meetings, they talk about the finances, openly and authentically. Sometimes you get a grift. That's unfortunate. But those get exposed and the church has to deal with it. So what are we talking about here? Well, let's keep reading. For some generations, the more mythical their spiritual leaders, the more they trusted them, said Daryl Hall, author of Speaking Across Generations, Messages That Satisfy Boomers, Xers, Millennials, Gen Z, and Beyond. Gen Zers want there to be no gap between Daryl and Dr. Hall. No gap in persona, no gap in who I am and who I present myself to be. To cultivate genuine relationships, Hall said leaders need to be accessible to students, meeting in person, and keeping up on social media and apps like GroupMe. Wait, so this woman, this Liz person, uh, Liz, is it okay if I call her Liz? Is saying that in order to have genuine relationships, you need to be accessible to students, Okay, I believe you. 
Yeah, I agree. In a congregation, the pastor should be available to everybody in the church, and that includes the kids. Uh, meeting in person, 100%. Keeping up on social media and apps like GroupMe, no. No. Actually, to the contrary, I believe that a lot of social media out there distorts people's personalities and causes them to act in ways that they would never act IRL. That they would never, ever, ever treat somebody like garbage the way they do on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or in the YouTube comments section. Because they think they can get away with it or flesh goes, ha ha, I can tell somebody to go rope themselves in a comment. Do you really want your pastor to be a social media creature? Do you think that's wise? No, try to be as IRL as possible. And I understand somebody's going to point out the irony of going, but director, the very Lutheran project is online. Yeah, well, you know what? I do a whole lot more IRL stuff than you would give me credit for, and I don't have to talk about it here. Continuing on, though. Gen Z students also appreciate two-way conversations where they're invited to think out loud with leaders and come to conclusions together. Paul has seen this approach work at home with his own three Gen Z kids. If he wants chores done sooner, instead of telling them what to do, he explains why he wants them to do their chores now and sets it up as a proposition, creating a dialogue with his kids. No. No. <laughs> what kind of dialogue is this? Uh, Two-way conversations where they, the Gen Z people, are invited to think out loud with leaders and come to conclusions together. Now, in the context of ministry, what does that look like? You got some kids in their confirmation class. They're 10, 12, and maybe there's that one 15-year-old that's in confirmation, you know, late bloomer. And you're talking about the Trinity. And you're like, okay, so here's what scripture says. It says the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. There's only one God, but each of these three persons of the Trinity is distinct from the other two. And then Billy... Billy Dipstick, the fun-loving Zoomer, comes in and says, No cap, I actually think that Jesus is God, but he's actually the Father wearing a Jesus mask. And then, when he returns, it's going to be like coming back from that. But, you know, during the church age, it was the Holy Spirit wearing a Jesus and the Father mask. Because, actually, it's, it's like that. And then the pastor starts bringing up modalism and why modalism is incorrect. But then uh, Tanya, the 13-year-old Zoomer, goes, Excuse me, can we talk about Sophia yet? Because I have a friend that was talking about Mary, and I thought it would be really cool if, like, Mary was actually Sophia, the Aeon of Wisdom, and there was, like, four persons to the Trinity because you need a feminine aspect. That's the conversation you want? And you want this pastor to just, like, <laughs> come to conclusions with these kids? Come on. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. These days, for rags like Christianity Today, dialogue means younger people and people that don't know what they're talking about or are told what to believe by secular sources instruct church leaders and their parents on what to believe or else they're going to leave or cancel them or whatever. Dialogue or conversation is code for do what I want and let me in charge. 
The answer to that is no. No, you are not in charge. We are not having a dialogue. We can have a conversation. If you have questions, I am more than happy to answer them because that is how this relationship is supposed to work between pastor and parishioner. And if you call me on something that I actually did get wrong, I hope it's because you've been reading your Bible and you know something a little bit better than me or you called something that I missed. Pastors are accountable to their congregation after all. But you don't get to make doctrine. That's the Bible's job. Leave it up to God. But maybe I'm getting it just a little bit wrong here. Let's be charitable and keep reading Liz's article to see if well, what she means is something more understandable. In a spiritual context, Gen Z Christians appreciate hearing pastors offer up their own gaps of understanding with scripture and discuss times they've struggled with their faith or a certain topic. That's been a thing now for 500 years. Where have you been? The Lutheran Church in the Confession says regarding elections, uh, yeah, we don't have enough data to really tell you how this works. We have taught our mouths as Lutheran pastors to say, I don't know. And we are supposed to be honest if we are offering speculation. A pastor who is always my way or the highway on stuff is not really worth his salt as a pastor. Not every question has been answered. That's why we have an entire category of doctrine and practice called adiaphora. Where have these kids been? Or have they been paying attention at all in church? But I think I get what they mean. If I say I don't know, that kind of gives you permission to think whatever you want, right? At least, assuming that your pastor didn't teach you the boundaries of speculation from Holy Scripture. Or if I say that I've struggled with my faith in one thing or another, that gives you permission to struggle with your faith in a way that lets you do what you want, right? Is that it? Because... I expect, knowing Christianity Today's history, for that to be what they mean. But let's see. Let's keep reading. Elders and baby boomers don't need to know I wrestle in order to accept me, said Hall, a former young adult ministry leader and now the campus pastor at The Way Community Church in Conyers, Georgia. Mm. Gen Zers don't want to just hear the proposition Here's what the Bible says, and here's what I have to say about it. Gen Z wants to hear how it makes me feel, how I struggle to believe it, where any gaps in my understanding might be, the steps I took to grow in my faith and what it's done for my everyday life. Not as your pastor first, but as a person first. So you're saying that Gen Z Christians are postmodernists. Now, chime in, Zoomers. Please email me. We can set up a quote-unquote dialogue here, and I can read your emails on air on the VLP to where we can talk about this. But do Gen Z people really, really not want to know the truth of what the Scripture says? They just want the, the feelings surrounding Scripture? Because, I mean, that was said about the Boomers. The me generation. Get in touch with your feelings. That was said about Gen X. Oh, man. They're going after that beat lifestyle. They're going after postmodernism. Mm-hmm. 
I was said about millennials too, a whole generation of postmodernists who don't care about the truth. They just care about how it makes them feel, man. My truth isn't your truth. And now we're saying the same thing about Gen Z. I'm noticing a pattern and the pattern is a problem. I've got four generations straight where everybody was talking about how supreme their feelings were over the truth. And I'm under the impression that that's something we need to fix and orient people towards learning the truth. This is why literally every single Christian Zoomer I have met has wanted orthodoxy, small o orthodoxy. They want to learn the truth and those guys need to be encouraged and strengthened because they're tired of hearing my truth isn't your truth and let's talk about feelings. Feelings is power. This is how I learned how to be a better person from the text. Mm -mm. No, they just want it straight. I'm sure there's a lot of Zoomers out there that are postmodernists, but the ones that are actually going into real traditional churches are not. I think we need a lot more Zoomers like that. Anyway, if you've got four generations of people that interpret reality through their emotions, that means you have four generations of people who were abused by their teachers and culture into acting this way. This is something you want to deprogram from people because it ruins lives. I digress. Let's get back to the article. Gen Z Christians told CT how their desire for authentic relationships stem from struggles with skepticism and hypocrisy in leadership. Marketing research has shown over and over that this age group is the most skeptical of brands, the government, and other big institutions. They are aware of the prevalence of misinformation and hype and largely trust themselves to see through it. Well, wow, that sounds like a great opportunity for Christian churches to quote-unquote keep it real by giving them the real word of God and saying, this word of God, this Bible in my hands is the solid foundation that you can trust. It is true. Its plain meaning is authentic. God has put his stamp of approval on literally everything it says because he breathed it out for you. It is inspired by God. We have an opportunity here to be the institution that brings the truth to these people who don't trust anyone else. And let's face it, brands, you can't trust them. The government, nope, definitely can't trust them. Big institutions, I'm assuming that means like schools, university, television, uh, social media stuff. Yeah, no, you can't trust a single thing they're saying. And hype. You can't trust it. Okay, so how about the church be trustworthy instead of try to condescend to the same level as all these other marketing firms trying to sell themselves. Now I'm sure there's an in before here. And lo and behold, this article in before is that. That attitude applies to the church as well, with young Christians wary of spiritual abuse as well as the prevalence of sexism and racism. Of course, you gotta bring in the isms, don't you? Mm-hmm. These kids have been raised in school and with everything in media to see these isms behind everything. I was recently informed just last week that math is racist. Ten years ago, people were saying math is sexist. 
in both of these sexist and racist accusations for mathematics came from the idea that it is white supremacy and male privilege to say that there is a right answer and a right way to find the right answer. If this entire generation has grown up with that being shoved into their brains, then the church needs to not condescend to it. They need to say, no, there is truth. Up is up, down is down, God exists, and Jesus loves you. Let's talk about what the Bible says. Let's be a firm foundation. Now, of course, they are wary of spiritual abuse. Yes, Liz is very apt to point that out. On the rumor-mongering yellow journalism website known as Christianity Today that salivates like a hungry dog over every accusation of spiritual abuse. Yes, it happens. In the church, there are bad pastors out there. There are bad church leaders out there. We have heard this ad nauseum which means the church should do something about it instead of trying to shuffle it around behind the scenes. And also, by the way, we should be very, 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 very honest that this happens a lot more with liberal Christians and liberal Christian church and contemporary churches than it ever did in traditionalist churches. Yes, it happens with cults that pretend to be traditionalist, but it is the modern theologians like Paul Tillich who have engaged in the worst forms of sex abuse in the church. It almost never, ever happens with people that take the Bible seriously. When it does, those guys should be punished. Absolutely. But if CT was honest, they would recognize how much more often this happens in postmodern, liberal, uh, zoomer appealing, or whatever, seeker sensitive churches. It's a massive problem. It's not my problem. It's Christianity Today's problem. After all, this very same website had to do some soul searching because they were found to have been uh, engaging in sexual harassment for female employees. Yeah, Christianity Today, um, do you ever look at the three fingers pointing back at yourself when you're talking about this stuff? I, I digress. Anyway, again, not my problem. It's your problem. Let's keep reading. Johnson in North Carolina preferred hanging out with women at her church to the structured discussion of campus ministry meetings, which felt like completing a checklist. One woman from her congregation, Hosea Church, invited her over to read the Bible. They discussed the passages with the woman's daughter. If questions came up that none of them could answer, the woman would ask her husband to help. They were learning alongside each other and treated her like a friend, not just a college student. They were just good people who wanted to see me grow and pour their time into me, she said. It just felt like normal people just loving on me, not with, like, any ill intentions or any side project. Gen Z Christians can sometimes bristle at being disparaged or judged for the norms of their generation. For example, Liberty University junior Olivia Denny, 19, had older church members criticize her for being immodest, for wearing shorts or tank tops to church. Just because someone's sinning in a way you don't agree with 
doesn't mean you have to tell them, like, they can't come to church or just say bad stuff, Denny said. Actually try to help them. You know, telling somebody that dressing immodestly and bringing temptation into the young men of your church, um, telling them that maybe you should cover up a little bit more and dress more modestly, that is helping you. That's also helping everybody at your church. And saying, let's reread that sentence, guys. Just because someone's sinning in a way you don't agree with doesn't mean you have to tell them. Yeah, you do. St. Paul says that. That's Galatians chapter 6. If any of you is caught in any trespass, let people confront them with the spirit of gentleness. I guarantee you this young lady was confronted very gently of like, hey, could you wear a jacket over that tank top? You know, guys are starting to stare and we don't, we'll talk to them in private. You know, they shouldn't be looking at you that way. But let's help each other out. Can we do that? Is this article really saying that Zoomers don't want their sins confronted? Because in that case, that's a problem with Generation Z, not with well-meaning elders. But oh, 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 let's get into this next paragraph to see what they really want from us. Generations need to balance love and truth in how they respond to sin struggles of Gen Z, she said. They should talk with more people her age to better understand the culture Gen Z is immersed in, including the prevalence of LGBT identity. So what you're saying is you just want sin to be accepted. Okay, yeah, that just confirms what I was suspecting. Young Christians can get frustrated with vague responses or Christianese. They need leaders who understand their struggles and explain their answers transparently said Andrew Root, professor and Carrie Olson-Balson, chair of youth and family ministry at Luther Seminary. Of course, because the Lutherans have to get into this. So you're saying that young Christians are being frustrated with quote-unquote vague responses or Christianese, but at the same time, they don't want people telling them straight that what they're doing is a sin, that they should dress modestly or not engage in sexual sins. That's what you're saying. You don't want me to speak clearly when it comes to your personal sins, but then you do want me to speak clearly. Okay. Well, no, I'm going to say what the Bible says. I'm going to teach what the Bible teaches. How about we go from there and we will act like Christians and we will keep it real by following Holy Scripture. Blanket responses that overlook their questions or real life challenges come off as hypocritical and can make them more cynical. But genuine relationship building with mentors and church leaders can be a powerful antidote. Yeah, it's called discipleship. Let's do it. Let's do real discipleship. That's great. But not in the way that just makes sinners feel better about themselves. Trust me, I'm a millennial. We had this problem too. A whole lot of millennials going up to churches and going, I'm not going to attend your church because you're mean to people that are living in sin. And I want to live in sin. Stop it. Just let me go to church and hear nice words. We have a massive problem with that. We always have. Because our foolish parents taught us to. I mean, not mine anyway, but a whole lot of our parents and school and media and everything taught us, like, go to church and make demands on the pastor so you stop feeling guilty for stuff. 
It's stupid. That is stupid. You don't go to church to feel good. The itching ears generation is terrible. And you shouldn't tell the Zoomers that that's okay. You hold up us millennials as a terrible example of what happens when you coddle people and you say, we're not doing that. We want you to be a real authentic Christian with a real dynamic and powerful life. Let's disciple you the right way and go from there. But capping off this article here, it says, they would like to be connected in a larger way and feel a draw of purpose that comes from something outside of them, but they don't necessarily trust that, Root said. Leaders should avoid an instrumentalizing of their relationships with college students. Have relationships for relationships' sake. That's a meaningless paragraph. There have been good, wonderful, friendly relationships in church among volunteers, laity, pastors, elders, deacons, everybody. That's been a thing now for 2,000 years. Why should I expect that that's not the case? Because somebody isn't quote-unquote feeling it. This whole article is meaningless, guys. That's it. That's the entire article. It's terrible. Because this has been said about every single generation now, going all the way back to the 1960s, of like, we need to change church, stop condemning sinners, stop telling people to be better Christians, and we need to like totally condescend to quote-unquote relationship building as if we never had that so that they stay in church. No, the thing is to actually do real discipleship, keep tabs on everybody, and actually help them. The fact that a bunch of modern evangelical megachurches with populations of butts in pews that are way too big for one pastor to handle, or even ten pastors to handle, does not negate how other faithful churches in the United States have operated now for over a hundred years, especially in Lutheranism, and obviously not counting Luther Seminary and their people, uh, part of a church branch that has abandoned any semblance of real Lutheranism. But that's it. Uh, all Zoomers listening to this, please feel free to email me. I will be happy to read your email on air, and we can set up a real relationship-oriented conversation to discuss these issues. And we can actually work on being, you know, better Christians rather than um, cultural, world-observing, non-condemnation-y, uh, hug-boxy, feelings-y, postmodern churches that caused all these problems that we're seeing today. Anyway, catch all next week for it. Amen and amen.